Hello and welcome to the Surface Tension Podcast. My name is Alex. My co-host over here is Craig. We are going to be exploring deep questions and looking for deep answers to spiritual questions and questions about life in general. We're happy to have you here. And here we go. All right. So welcome to our podcast. So something funny happened the other day. Um, it was funny to me and I laughed out loud. And anytime you laugh out loud by yourself, sometimes you start getting question marks above your head. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> I laugh out loud by myself constantly, Craig. So yeah. listen, there's nothing you can right. uh, say about this that okay. I won't be able to identify this with. Is, I know that you're going to say, oh, that silliness, whatever. That's fine. I'm I'm driving down the street thinking some of these deep God thoughts that I often do. I just get seem to get inundated with these uh, questions and thoughts. And one of the themes that I have been thinking about recently a lot is just being connected with my own heart and just what that looks like. Because sure. It's been part of my journey of what that looks like to connect with my own. I, I think past episodes, we've probably even, you know, gone into this and maybe too much. And so No, much. no, that's, that is a beautiful theme and something that uh, if we aim towards we would probably uh, hit closer to the mark. I mean, that's something that you have communicated to me many a time is that we need to understand God's heart for us and then we can better understand our own hearts. But please continue. Well, I'm driving down the road and I I don't know if you have the same experience, but sometimes my brain just, it feels like it's hurting because there's so much. We're being inundated by so much in life and then there's all these deep soul thoughts and sometimes you're just like, ah, my brain's going to explode. I can't keep thinking about that. Have you ever, have you felt that way sometimes? Do I get exhausted in thought? You bet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And what do you do? Where do you go when you, when you do that? When you're, when you're, when your brains kind of start sending this signal. All right. I go into shutdown Time mode. Now. I, uh, I go into self-soothing. Um, I don't really drink. I don't really dabble with the devil's lettuce, otherwise known as jazz cabbage. But when I'm feeling overwhelmed by, uh, questions or conflicts, whatever, what have you. And that's usually a byproduct of me spending too much time on the internet. If we're being totally forthright with one another, then I kind of go into this inward facing retreat mode and I just kind of withdraw and I sleep and, um, yeah, I need to recharge in some kind of capacity. Yeah. It's um, it's so good that you're aware of that. I mean, I think everyone needs to be aware of what is it that I do once I can't do anymore. You know, where do you go? Where do you go to that space? And at least as I was driving down the road, I I kind of hit that that space, um, which we can actually probably push through and make it even further. We could probably hang, and maybe it's important for us to continue pushing in that moment, right? Because maybe we're on the edge of something really good and important, you know, well, describe know- the emotional state. Cause you, you described it kind of as a headache, but it's probably more complex <laughs> than that. Well, again, if you're thinking about deep thoughts about the world or yourself or how, how to navigate life in a better way, it's, it was more just contemplative, uh, more curious, um, 
but still with a lot of heavy and burden kind of mixed in the soup just because um so on a physiological level what did that make you feel like were you uh, anxious tired overwhelmed were you angry were you confused were you frustrated what kind of words would you use to synthesize the thoughts with a somatic sensation and kind of an emotional state because right now i'm hearing head headspace mm-hmm. rather than like a comprehensive this is the state in which i found myself yeah i think i think <clears throat> that's funny i do live in my head a lot so don't <laughs> we all trying to do don't we all <laughs> i may need a longer set of a multiple choice uh, feelings <laughs> to to choose from what was i feeling see i i don't even stop to ask that question you know and it's interesting to hear that because so much of my operating system is what am i thinking what am i you know how am i thinking through this exploring this uh, analyzing being over analytical not pausing very often to say hmm what am i feeling right now in this moment um so i don't do that very well so i don't have a quick answer for you. Um, I think I'd probably have to say I was feeling um, smug. Interesting. <laughs> is, is that a positive word? Um, it, it was self-assuredness? Well, there was just some a sense of peace and, hey, uh, smug's probably horribly wrong. But Well, this is it, smug. All of a sudden, you just painted things in such a different light than I was anticipating because you were talking about thinking all of these thoughts and having so many of them. And to me, that would push me in a state of feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, needing to unwind, recharge. And I wouldn't pivot into feeling smug. So were you feeling self-satisfied in having these thoughts and saying like, oh, I'm so grateful and so lucky to have these (laughs) thoughts uh, and be able to explore these deep questions as I'm driving and you laugh to yourself. Yes. So I'm, I'm trying to understand this cause yes. this sounds, well, I'm getting sweaty over here on the leather couch. So <laughs> no, well, it, it, I, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to synthesize <laughs> sure. the okay. things that you're saying. And that's why into. I said smug might not be the same, but there was a sense of, of peace because the disordered thoughts and world around me wasn't causing um, an agitation. It was just, just kind of there. It was just kind of, gosh, I'm thinking about these. And this is important, man, to connect with my heart and boy, how do I process some of the pain with, um, some of the people around me that I'm trying to navigate. And so there was this kind of this, this deep thought, but it wasn't troubling. It sounds like you were in the eye of a hurricane in a lot of ways. Yeah, that could be that yeah. there were, there was stillness around yes. you yes. in that cylinder. Yes. And I knew with I was, so much going on outside of the cylinder yes. and you found yourself yes. in a state of being like I don't know whimsy where you like how do I how do I feel peace yeah. considering all of these other elements going on outside of me is is that yeah. where you were at? Correct little, me if I'm wrong. Bit, yeah. And I think smug is probably the wrong word because there's too too much negative uh you know, cheeky, you know, wry smile in the corner of your mouth. And, you know, I know something that you don't. I don't see I anything wrong with that. I, I wasn't experiencing that as much as, you know, I think um, there was a feeling of, hey, these are really good. And maybe I need to press pause on these for a while and engage the right side of my brain, which is exactly what my thought was. It was, man, my brain's spinning over here. 
I think I need to engage the right side of my brain a little bit. Often music does that for me. Mm -hmm. And so I decide, you know, I'm going to turn on Spotify to listen to some music. And the the song on Spotify that came up was Motley Crue's Kickstart My Heart. I love that song. Do you know what that song is about, Craig? No, and I really don't because they'll probably ruin it for me. It's a pretty intense... Uh, it's one of my favorite songs ever. It's funny. It's, you and I have never talked about this before, but uh, I, I had a buddy in college. We used to... Um, pick up 12 packs of beers oh, on Fridays, yes. uh, blow up a, a kiddie pool and each <laughs> put it in our sand volleyball court and then just listen to that song on repeat. People yeah. took issue with that, but please continue with <laughs> well, what I don't, what happened. I, what happened is I laughed out loud because here I'm thinking about connecting with my own heart and I'm like, gosh, I'm, I'm just analyzing this too much. I just kind of need a little bit of a break. Let me go listen to some music and Spotify and I hear kickstart your Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just, I, for some reason, I just almost took that as a symbol from God. Just like, yeah, you know what? Yeah. Okay. Let's kickstart your heart. And I don't know if Motley Crue is actually helpful or hurtful in that, but that is something that's important. We have to be engaged in our heart. And actually you and what you're doing with me is part of that heart engagement. I think a lot of us are going through our days, not either not knowing what you're are feeling or monitoring our feeling very much or else hyper-monitoring our feeling. We're probably on either sides of the spectrum of just totally doting on and being catering to the feelings and the whims we may have or totally shut down and disconnected from them. Well, we all have our comfort zones of how we process things, right? Typically, my go-to is very similar to your go-to. If we're feeling some sort of way, um, or if I'm feeling some sort of way, I would tend to intellectualize and then discard the feelings. And I feel more comfortable talking about the feelings. See, I've done that here. We're doing that. We're avoiding feelings by talking about the emotions themselves in yep. an intellectual way. Yes. So we've already skirted yes. past the emotional process. And this is actually something that I do all the time when it comes to my own stuff. I try to explain it away, say how it relates to other things that are removed from my reality because that feels more comfortable yeah. for me. And you are one of two people who point that out to me when I do that. You say, oh, no, you just went somewhere. You went somewhere else. We're actually going to stay in this moment. Yeah. I hate that. I absolutely hate that. But it's also kind of cool. Um. That was so funny when it happened to me the other day, it made me think of you where I was having a conversation about something personal and, uh, the gal with whom I was speaking was like, Whoa, 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 you just changed the subject and you did that effortlessly and skillfully. And most people probably wouldn't pick up on that. Mm. And I'm like, you're not supposed to call me out on my tricks. Yeah. That's not for you to do. Right. But then we had a nice laugh about it. Good. Well, and, Motley Crue aside. Um, what does kickstarting your heart well, look like, Craig? Well, yeah. I mean, I even think we might need to back it up and start with why do we want to walk around and live life with a disconnected heart? What is that doing for us? If, if we're somehow It's too painful, Craig. It's, so it's, it, there's this, this promise of being insulated from pain. Yeah. Does that, is it? able to fulfill that? Are we, are we really keeping ourselves from pain if we're disconnected from our own heart? In some regard, I would say, yeah. 
I don't know. I, there was a, I don't know how correct this is, but a while back, I remember watching a Tony Robbins video and he talked about something that he had coined the pain and pleasure principle that the motivation behind action X, Y, and Z is either decreasing pain or seeking pleasure. And although that's pretty, uh, simplistic, I'd say, yeah, okay. That can describe quite a bit of human behavior. Uh, what lengths do we go to to avoid pain? Quite a bit. Quite a bit. Well, it, and I guess I would follow that up with, is it possible to avoid pain? No, absolutely not. So we think we can disconnect from our hearts to avoid pain, but all that does is shift it to a different playground. It's just, it's just going to be a different... if. If I am afraid of getting hurt from someone in a relationship and I disconnect from you, I've are uh, the the vulnerability of possibly getting my feelings hurt in relationship has now just been transferred to the pain of isolation and loneliness. Right? Which some people find more tolerable. Yeah. It's interesting that yeah, we pick our uh we pick our problems, right? we pick the ones that we think we can manage best mm-hmm. and handle. And some people feel as though that isolation is a problem that they can handle better than repeated uh, wounds from a relationship that isn't functioning correctly. Yeah, that's very true. And it there's for, for many people, there's a real safety in being by yourself. Um, totally. Don't need to be known. I don't need to be... <laughs> connected there's no fear of not being loved because there's no one around to love me and that can be a a safe feeling a safe safe place but a horrible place right do you ever play capture the flag when you're a kid yeah of course now what was your mojo because i have a picture in my mind of how you would have approached the the capture the flag game as a kid but how what was your strategy what did you do rely on my strength and speed i was like always half a foot taller than just about every kid and was typically the most athletic kid or one of the top three most athletic kids in any kind of contest in which I found myself. And so I could just muscle it, outrun, steal that flag. And then all the other kids were like, that's not fair. (laughs) And it's like, well, too bad. You punks. It's over. Game over. Uh, So, you went for it. You said, I'm going to go get that flag and I'm going to go capture. I'm going to. There is no need for strategy. Yeah. You just physical superiority. That is correct. Darwinian ladder. Yes. <laughs> capture the flag. Yes. Um, do you think we can learn about people's personalities by the way that they approach that game? We can learn a lot about anybody from how they approach most games. Yeah. What they see as their role and what they decide is their strategy to employ. I mean, if we think about a capture the flag game, there's definitely kids who don't want to be playing the game at all. So who, how would you feel if you were ever actually captured? What would, what would happen in you? If my flag was captured, are we talking about the same game here? Well, my understanding, the way we played the game and maybe it was the Christian version, it sounds like you're playing more (laughs) good tackle, but, um, the way we played the game is if you went in the enemy's territory and you got tagged, you had to go to jail in this area where right, you were right. captured. Did that ever happen to you? 
Uh, very rarely. Okay. And, and they would need did? they would need most of the team to like pursue me and box me in. Okay. And so when when they did tag you, what happened inside of you? What meaning would you give that? Interesting question. I've never thought about this at all. Um, what meaning would I give to being captured? Either that I had messed up or that they had applied a disproportionate amount of effort trying to capture me and would probably lose the game anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's that meaning there was that uh, propelled you towards towards the flag, really. Because you, the meaning that you were assigning towards actually capturing that flag was enormous. Could there have been someone with your same size and speed that thrived on capturing other slower people when they were trying to get their flag on the defense? Sure. Well, isn't that interesting? To me, that is just interesting there. We have different, our different personalities that are just functioning in different ways. Um, and I, I, I was a, a defensive guy. I wanted to stay on my side. I thought mm. it would be, if I ever got put in jail, it would bring so much shame upon me and my family that it couldn't be, I couldn't bear it. You had such deep <laughs> thoughts as a kid. Like, my goodness. Oh, how I was those? not in that ballpark. I was not in that zip Just code. Living, living fast and free. Yes. Yeah. That sounds nice, actually. Uh, but, but connecting the heart. I do think it's interesting for those uh, who are disconnected from their heart to realize, you know what, there, there is a cost to this. You know, there is a, there's a downside to this. It, it might keep us safe and isolated from someone, something, but we can be dying a slow death inside. I'm hearing themes of, uh, risk assessment, risk tolerance yes. and the pursuit of risk, yep. uh, as it relates to defense, offense, and relationships, you know, defense, offense in the context of capture the flag, but also in having an open heart, having an open heart is risky, but the same could be said about having a closed off heart. It's just risky in a different way. There is no path that we can walk that is divorced from the concept of potential loss and risk. So we kind of have to pick our battles and decide what we can tolerate with our our risk and say if i'm going to go for it if i'm going to have an open heart i need to be able to risk being devastated if i'm Ooh, going hold on a second yeah that see you lost me there okay well let's rewind then well, and not lost in the fact that i wasn't tracking with you intellectually i think my my heart and soul just hit it Eject. Will you describe it that way? All right. Risk reward. We were talking about that earlier with something. All right. Okay. Open heart equals potential to be devastated, rather not be devastated. Keep the heart closed. Or maybe let's just let's just open open ten percent. Well, maybe twelve percent. Let's not get crazy, but let's just open the heart a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do you really have to open yourself up to devastation if you're going to open up your heart? This just makes me wonder about the gradations of openness that exist in our hearts, right? Like how open is your heart and 
what's the point of having a heart that's open 13%? Like, <laughs> at least aim for over 50, right? Like, I don't know. Maybe well, that's just where some people find themselves. It's wait. like, I'm a 15% open heart kind of person because I'm 15% willing to get hurt. That's, I'm willing to bet that much of myself because that's as much as I'm willing to lose. Well, I've, if someone starts at a 4% and they're at a 12, they've already tripled. Yeah, they're doing great. <laughs> what, they've, what they've done. So it, it, it feels um, daunting to say, gosh, I know how hard it's been for me to open up my heart from 4 to 12. And now you're talking about, Fifth, at least 50. I'm like, that feels like it's a long ways away. You have to identify what does that look like? Yeah. What is, well, where are you at right now in terms of your heart openness? I'm just going to ask you directly. So if we could do it on a scale of uh, zero to 100, where would you be in, in terms of the percentage of an open heart? Self-indict right now if it's low. No, let's, let's keep it metaphorical. No, 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 no. Because <laughs> wherever you're at, I want to celebrate where you're at, not just because... It is what it is, but because you're willing to share it. Yes. And thank you for that, because that's what I needed on the capture the flag field. I needed someone to come along and say, hey, if you go try to get the flag and you get tagged, that's okay. We're going to break you out of jail. That's okay. You're still going to get s'mores later tonight, so <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Um, and again, that goes back to the meaning we're assigning to to certain things. A percentage, I again, I have to probably have a more clear picture of what it looks like to live with an open heart because just give yourself a percentage though. You, we're not getting away from this. Just shoot from the hip. Well, oh goodness, I was yeah, really comfortable with that twelve percent, but um, I might. I, I, I again, I can't. I don't know if I can without knowing what. What, what does it look like? And again, if we look at Jesus as the perfect example of living and walking with this open heart, let's say his was 100% open, meaning not that he let everyone in to do anything they wanted to. You know what said in the Bible? He said, uh, Jesus knew was in the heart of men and didn't, didn't trust himself to all of them. And mm -hmm. so he, there was wisdom there in saying, oh, no, 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 we're not just open kimono every person. There's some wisdom to that. And so now the question is, um, all right, with the people that you have trusted relationships with, how open is your heart to connecting, loving, being loved, being hurt, being disappointed, right? So what's your percentage? If Jesus is 100 and I don't know, the devil is zero. Like, I, I don't really know the devil's heart very well. I haven't really examined that, but... Um, I still, I think I'm probably still at a 30% level because there's so much self-protection that I still amazing. operate That's yeah. amazing. Isn't that awesome though? Where do, no, no, no. Here, let's follow this up. <laughs> where do you think the general population is and where do you think the general Christian population is in the United States? So I would say that your heart is more open than most. So I would say the average person is in fact below that 30% mark by quite a bit. Because most people haven't even stopped to ask the question, how open is my heart? If I ask that to some person today, just a stranger, they would probably say, what the hell are you talking about? 
just the honest truth right there. Yeah. Most people do not entertain questions and language like this ever. Right. Yeah. So the fact that you are even examining and beginning to articulate what percentage of openness your heart is, you're already in a different space than I would say most people. That's my general sense. I could be entirely wrong, but I feel like I'm pretty dead on with this. I would say that if you're a 30 percenter, that most Christians are probably between 10 and 20 percent. That that feels right to me. So do you think no matter where we put ourselves, no matter what percentage we assign to ourselves, we feel like it's not enough? Is there anyone along that percentage spectrum that says, hey, yeah, feeling smug about my 30% over here? I mean, it all depends on the measuring stick. What is an acceptable percentage for you? Mm-hmm. What's a great percentage for you? And let's trace it back to your point. Maybe a couple of years ago, you were at a quiet 9% and you wouldn't have even begun to talk about it because you're like, oh no, I should be higher percentage. So I'm just not going to talk about it. Like saying that you're at 30% actually gives you a lot of space for maybe growing, right? Identifying where you're at first and then saying, oh, well, this is the direction in which I'd like to grow. And applauding yourself for being wherever you're at. I would have rated myself like a 40%. Um, yeah, that's before you said 30, I was thinking 40. And yes. because if I'm going to ask you a question, I'm going to ask it of, sure. of myself yeah. and have to examine that's that wise. as well. That's wise. So um, in, in the theme of Motley Crew, if, if we are going to invite Jesus in to kickstart our hearts, what would that look like? If we, somehow can allow Jesus and experience with Jesus to influence that number to start moving up higher where we're, our hearts are a little bit more open. What does that journey look like? What if Jesus could kickstart my heart? I'd say it's a really slow incremental process. Mm-hmm. Kickstarting the heart sounds dramatic yeah. and defibrillator. Yeah. It, I mean, well, that's, that's what, I mean, the dude who, uh, gosh, I'm forgetting his name. He died of a heroin overdose. And then Mm -hmm. that song was about him being jolted back to life by either like an EpiPen or a defibrillator, whatever it was pretty serious. Um, yeah, that's, are we looking for that is that explosive faith crescendo of being like, Oh, here I am. God. Now I'm at an 80%. I doubled it because I uh, listened to a Hillsong album. Like, I I don't think that's really going down. And I don't think that's realistic to expect of ourselves. And I don't think God expects that of us either. In fact, I would say it would be far more natural to increase at an incremental pace and then have uh, some backslides and then to go back up maybe a little bit higher than the previous time. And then to have some backslides, I would say it, it would be a constant hopeful yes. uh, upward trend, but it would not be a hockey stick on a graph yeah. exponential growth so, and saying, Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm all the way in. I don't know if you agree with that. No, I agree with that a hundred percent. And the question I'm trying to get us to play with is, what is what is our experience with Jesus do with that? How how can our relationship with Him 
a genuine relationship with Jesus impact our heart's connection? Well, it's nice because then it's not all our job to wrench open our hearts, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like that sounds tricky and chal- it sounds really challenging to be the architect of opening the doorways of my own heart. Yeah. Well, especially when we don't often know why it's shut and what to do to open it. Sure. And we've got a tremendous roadmap in Jesus for what an open heart looks you like. Think he opened his heart to the father. How would it be? How could it be that he didn't? Yeah. But again, even that, even your response is so interesting and challenging. How, how, how could he not? And I bring that to my own personal life. How could I not open up? more of my heart to connect with with him. Do you comment on this? I'm curious to know your thoughts. Do you think the extent to which our hearts are open with other people is a mere reflection of the our heart's openness and connection with God? Yes. Definitely. Yeah. I've found it very hard to separate earthly relationships and heavenly relationships not because I want it to be that way, but I, there's like a deep seated way that my brain works and that I just make these comparisons based off of what I know. And I think a lot of us do that. I've had conversations with a lot of people when we talk about, you know, when you talk about the father, there's almost a hundred percent chance that if you talk about the father long enough, you'll think about your own earthly father, right? Mm-hmm. It's really hard to not make those comparisons and say, I'm going to take everything that I know about relationships in the world and completely have the script rewritten for me and then subscribe to the master script rather than my own script. It seem, it's very challenging. I wish that weren't the case, but my earthly relationships unfortunately paint my relationship yeah. with Jesus and and the father in ways that I don't want them to yes and and I agree and so my 30% with those around me is also a 30% with with God and so your comment about Jesus why would he not open himself up completely to the Father, um, just reverberates through my soul as well, because it's it's a it's a humble challenge. I probably could not make a case for why I'm keeping the bumpers on at thirty percent. Well, to borrow a phrase that you have used pretty regularly with me, and I really enjoy it, is kind of the reverse commute, yeah. where. Jesus is going from the relationship with the father to his earthly relationships. And we're doing the exact opposite, right? Like, and that should be what we key in on perhaps is the reverse commute of that and say, what if we focused on operating the way Jesus did and go for the primary relationship with the father and then let 
that relational dynamic spill out into our daily lives rather than, you know, I'm, I'm just saying the same thing over and over again at this point, and you've got a smug smile on your face, and <laughs> I like that. Again, I love that proper smugness coming yeah, through. The review, reverse commute concept is just so good. And I would maybe even nuance it a little differently. Is we, we're always talking about, oh, what one step do I need to take towards Jesus? And so, all right, let's reverse it. What what steps is Jesus taking towards us right now? Because mm-hmm. we really need. I'm not going to meet him at seventy percent. He's going to meet me at thirty percent, and so. What percentage is he bringing, and how can I experience that 100% openness from him, and how can I let that inch me, move me, nudge me towards higher percentages? Well, if he's going to meet us where we're at, we simply need to stop retreating. Yeah. It's well said. It's very well said. Right? Yes. And we ha- Yeah. So one of the best ways to... Uh, connect with my heart is to stop retreating and allow Jesus to meet me with his 100% open heart where I'm at today. You know, I think I need to listen to some more uh, Spotify and Motley Crue. I think my brain's about ready to explode, but boy, good stuff. This has really created some interesting space in my heart and soul for exploring something that's an important topic for me is connecting to the heart. And I hope today was helpful for you. See you next time.